Hi, I'm Aaron Sorensen. I'm from Elemental Permaculture. Um, I just wanted to like, open this session with you just to express my gratitude to be here. Um, gratitude for being welcome onto this site. Uh, Uncle Wally this morning, uh, followed by uh, Uncle Bruce, was really, really powerful um, for me, personally. But um, behind everyone, and here is you, we have a lot of people that have supported us to be here. So I, I just need to make, um, make that acknowledge, acknowledgement first. I wanted to thank my family, and I've got a bit of a croaky throat. I've had a two-year-old sleeping on me for five evenings, and I've picked something up. But uh, I wouldn't be able to be here without that support from my family and, um, and, and, and the friends at, uh, back in Wollongong. Uh, and the other thing too is that um, I'm just one half of elemental permaculture as our face, however, we've got a really wonderful team. And uh, I'm in a partnership with Daniel Dayton, who's a really talented designer and uh, practitioner and educator. And he's now a Koran man. He's been in Koran for four years. Um, but we've started our journey in Port Kembla. So um, thanks for coming. Um, it's great to be here because we are f we've d we're 15 years old in the Illawarra, which is really exciting. <laughs> So um, if, if you saw the wonderful um, chat with, uh, you know, the talk by Cal Champagne from and with, with the Green Connect story, um, we're all familiar with Wollongong. Um, <laughs> we didn't stage these photos, by the way. Um, this is our vista. Um, Cal was asking you, like, what is Wollongong known for? And we heard a lot of negative things or what could be perceived as negative, like pollution, high unemployment. Um, you know, the absence of a pathway, but um, it, it's permaculture. But also too, Robin, it's a home of, it's actually got a link to the suffragettes because one of the first labour movements in the developing world was out of North Borlo number two. And so the women who went out and encouraged their husbands to strike because they couldn't, they, they were starving in essence, um, that's in Coaldale, that's a small town in the northern suburbs. Um, we've got a huge history and a really strong labour movement. And uh, that's something that, um, you know, like I can feed into because that's kind of enabled um, our success in the Illawarra. Because although, yes, it is a filthy town and, well, back when we started in, I mean, I've been working in environmental um, remediation for 20 years and Daniel probably closer to 30 years. And um, when we first started, we were really edge. In fact, they didn't particularly care for environmentalists because people were so busy doing the resource grab that we got unnoticed. And then when you get unnoticed, there's a niche that opens for us. So um, what I'd like to do is I'm going to just uh, refer to three projects. Um, but currently, we've worked with uh, 16 primary schools and uh, three uh, secondary college and two high schools to develop um, what we call our living classroom. That name's not ours, it came from South Australia, but it's a beautiful name. Living classroom or a permaculture demonstration site, which is what we call our high school sites. And, um, and I wanted to share with you our learning pathway and, um, and with opportunities for young people to get employed at Green Connect Urban Farm and, other, and do other wonderful things. So um, I figured before we go forward, we'll go backwards. So I am going to bore you senseless with PowerPoint. Hopefully there's some photos that engage you and um, the stories assist. So um, Dan, Daniel Dayton and I, 
first met in um, 2000 at a, um, a council-facilitated community garden um, meeting. And um, once we met, there was a synergy. So we came with different skill sets, but the same passion. Dan's a landscape architect and a really passionate gardener, very talented, and he's a really great builder as well. And I'd come from um, more of a creative side. I'd studied visual arts, and I was working in education and was really passionate about growing food as well. And, um, and so we stayed in touch with each other. But it was a relationship that Daniel had had um, on the LEAP project. If anyone's familiar with the LEAP project, that was a precursor to Green Corps and then the Green Army. And there was a woman who was working with on that project that was, took a job with BHP Billiton. And they wanted to put money, BHP Billiton wanted to put money into the schools in their fallout. Now that was in 2003. Um, the particular school we're going to have a look at, Cringilla Public School, um, is like something out of a sci-fi film. It, um, well, 98% non-English speaking background. Um, the other 2% are probably the nefarious, have nefarious activities occurring in Cringilla, like bikies and drug dens and things like that. So a pretty interesting town, very close to Wollongong. Um, but what was really interesting about Cringilla is it had an artificial coal seam fire on it. So when we turned up, there were flames about 20 metres from where we were going to be working. And they didn't know how to put this out. Now this had been, this is sort of an, uh, a fire that had ignited with my understanding of putting industrial waste, which is slag and coal wash, and piling it up to create flat areas. So Cringilla is part of the Berkeley Hills chain, which where, where Warrawong High is. And to create the flat spaces in the 1970s, they invited industry to dump their waste there. Not just industry, but also building waste and all sorts of interesting things. And so, well, Cal describes to you what he's doing at Warrawong High. Um, he's lucky that most of the land he's working on is, is still part of the is that beautiful laddite volcanics and uh, not the industrial waste that we're working on. So um, that was pretty amazing. It was something like out of Lord of the Rings, the ground was smoking and they had a core driller and they were trying to put the fire out. They weren't sure what to do. And that went on for about five years. Um, I can share that story over dinner if you're interested. So, um, so the Living Classroom Project, what happened was when BHP approached Dan and said, Dan, look, look we have $30,000 we want to give it to Cringilla Public School because we feel that um, it's close to our heart. Many of the, the parents who work in steel works, their children go to Cringilla Public School, so we'd like to do something with it. Um, he immediately contacted me, and we'd both been working with council trying to do things with schools, but we didn't have the resources to really go through a design process and build something that the teachers and community could use and then provide um, some sort of training to continue it. Um, so what happened was that um, when, he, when he called me, uh, immediately we rubbed our hands together and said, yeah, we can do this, let's go for it. And um, I really have to consider that the community garden that Cal referred to, North Wollongong Community Garden, there were probably about 25 to 30 volunteers who were the invisible structures that supported this project. So it wasn't kind of like they rang up a couple of like a permaculture team and said, can you build us something? It was the opposite. Now the other thing too to consider is that um, it wasn't driven from the school. Industry came forth, wanted to do something, and it, it was offered to schools. Cringilla immediately took it, because Cringilla at that time, um, if those people are educators and un or understand public spaces, they couldn't actually open the school to the community. 
when they had parent-teacher nights for, or parent-teacher openings because they couldn't do anything at night, um, teachers' cars would be broken into, their purses would go missing, and all the laptops in the school would get taken. And that was in 2003 when we started. So that was kind of an interesting thing to consider. Um, and this humble little uh, garden, it's an interesting relationship between police, PCYC and permaculture, and professional rugby league. So really unorthodox combination of elements, but each of those elements working in relationship to each other, something special happened, and that niche enabled um, us to have uh, a context for um, the staff and some of the students to have a look at what they may have. Because when we had the conversation with the school, is that better? All right, oh, I can hear myself. When we had the conversation with the school, um, much of the staff didn't know what they wanted because they'd, they'd never had a living classroom before. And um, we'll be honest, um, we had a beautiful vision on what we liked, but we didn't know what we were going to do either. We just selected elements from the community garden that we thought worked and mainly considered what children would like. So we did spend a lot of our time on our knees initially going through the community garden to identify what, um, how we could adapt it for the schools. But anyways, um, what we did is we had a conversation with the school community and um, we sort of just chunked up their ideas and then they were able to feed back and uh, tick off what they wanted uh, initially. So again, it's 2003, we've come a long way since then. But uh, these are some of the design elements or the themes that um, are in the school gardens. And it's not necessarily hard and fast, but these are things that we, we tend to that tend to work. Obviously, you guys that are designers understand about sectors and aspects, it's so important. Um, we like to use swales and mounds and harvest water passively. Wollongong's uh, rainfall is about 1,100 mils on, a, on average, but it can be as low as 8, 870 and be as high as 1,350. Um, yeah, we like to use beds on contour. It's really helpful for moving people. Um, and we're really passionate about soil building, like different... The big thing with what you had to consider was because we're on waste, we had to come up. So by chance, we became really good soil builders. Now at Cringilla, we actually had to take all the topsoil out initially. And what came in was, um, um, a, you know, like an alluvial with no organic matter. So the kids at Cringilla became really good soil builders really quickly because we had collapse in our third year. And, um, and, and organising plant systems, food forests, places, places that children can you know, love or all of us love to go and hang. Um, our composting systems are both passive and, and active and, and they're constantly being updated. And spaces are important, spaces for whole classes or double classes, spaces for small kids and also um, the mystique for the individual to get lost in that space. So how can we provide for those, those needs potentially? and obviously bring art into it and structures. Um, more recently, we've gone to, 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 to outdoor kitchens, but at the time, our structures were worm farm seats and, and uh, seating circles. So this was our, f our first design. Um, what was interesting is Dan did the design and, and, um, and I fed into it, but he's a landscape architect and he built it with um, uh, a couple of guys in, from our team, and um, and you'll notice that there's a, a bunch of keyhole beds. Um, anyone who's worked with children know that keyhole beds don't work. It's great in your backyard, but we found it didn't work. At least with the exuberance of our community, it didn't work. So um, I've just got a couple of shots to just to share with you. I no just noticed a play equipment on the left. This is a happy accident, actually. 
Oh, sure. Roman wrote it. Shortest distance between A and B. Yes. Dan Dayton. So Daniel Dayton, yeah, you can look. At, yeah, so he's, he's featured in here. <laughs> yeah, you're lucky. You've got him now. Yeah, so... I mean, this is a really important thing, you know, like I think what David mentioned before is when you have a designer who's working outside and you're not in the system, the designers that are in the system are most effective. I mean, that's the biggest learnings, I reckon, from what, what we did and, and I'll, I'll share with you what we did on how to cover that. Okay, March, March 2008. And that's a significant year, but I'll chat about that in a second, but if we just, this was just taking you about four days ago. So we just go back again. Okay. All right, funny things about this or something of interest that you guys might be, you might want to take away. All right, so no fence, totally open to the community. Motorcycle track on weekends. Um, when any of our trees got more than a meter, the root zone died because of the heat that was coming out of the ground. Um, oh, all of the identifiable European trees taken by the community. So what we did is thought laterally, looked at the community that weren't living there, planted South American fruit trees, they all stayed, and then planted Southeast Asian vegetables, and then they all stayed. And then we had something to work with, which is kind of cool. It's kind of good to show this. The other thing too that you'll notice is that there's an outdoor kitchen here which was a building education revolution, you know, Rudd's big initiative. Well, we benefited from that because we partnered with Jenny George, who was our local member, who was an ex-ACTU representative and union legend from our community. So she shook a tree in Canberra and um, we got this amazing outdoor kitchen that engineers interpreted from our, our Bali-inspired work. So that was really beautiful and the school loves it. Um, so why I mentioned 2008 was, 2008 was a time that we'd already worked with five other schools in the local area, both public and, and, and a Catholic school. Um, what can I share with you about that was, it was the success of the work, that's why I'll show Cringilla, wasn't just about industry providing $30,000 of funding and which was really generous for, and we were doing it permi way. You know, you saw railway sleepers in there, we're doing everything we could. Um, the RTA was doing a cutting, so we traded a case of beer for the rock, and you know, it's, it was a lot, lot greyer back in 2003 than it is now. But um, and most of the plants were donated, um, or we grew ourselves. But um, um, what actually happened was that um, there were a few people in the education department that, that, that ears pricked up. And um, they pricked up because of this, because, and I'll, I'll share the, the outcomes of this next stage. The key was the training of the children. So it's wonderful, you can have a wonderful garden. That's all really well and good. But what are we after at Cringilla? Um, you heard Cal say, we high youth unemployment. There is a, there is a sense of despair in, among some, some members of the community. Cringilla is also a first feeder for refugees. Uh, there are some cultural groups that dominate our community. So when new refugees come in, they get a really tough time. Um, so schools, like what, what's happening with parents gets played out in a school setting. Um, however, with Cringilla, I'd have to share with you, it's the most, it's a jewel of Wollongong. Most, um, 
caring, kind, accepting, fun group of people I've ever worked with. And um, what they had in common was this space. So what we thought about was um, the next stage was, and this is the key, the training, we call it the Garden Ambassadors Program. There's a magic age those educators know, about eight or nine, where kids are really close to nature. So what we did is we developed a program where stage two students, which is year, year three, and obviously this is going to work at Crinny because we're at a small school, so there was only one year three class. They come out into their space one day a week, the whole day. And then initially they established the garden with us, so there's a pair of permies working with them. Uh, the teacher's documenting, which is really great. Um, we start, ideally, we started with 15. Now we work with whole classes, but initially we started with 15. And what we dreamt of was the permaculture practices becoming a nursery rhyme that gets handed down, just like with song, allegory, story. Uh, you know how there's some things that stay in primary schools forever? That's what we were hoping would happen. Well, it did. The other thing that we wanted, that this was an outcome of the, the program or what we dreamt about was we'd love the culture of the school to change, where the ethics and values were demonstrated. Anyone who's got kids or seen them at work, they, they educate much better than everyone else. So let's get kids teaching kids. Um, and then in turn, there's connection, connection and ownership. So all of a sudden the BMX bikes weren't getting ridden off the roof onto the water tank anymore. Motorcycles didn't, weren't getting ridden in the school. It had nothing to do with getting the, the father, who was the biggest gangster in the town, to plant trees. It had nothing to do with that. Um, develop pathways and then have the um, school culture be something that was, that this uh, cringilla could hinge off. Um, and obviously accessibility to the community network. The wonderful thing was a principal went, yep, let's do it. After the first term, he just signed us up for two years, put the funding in, made it happen, and uh, it was phenomenal. So you're going to go on a bit of um, a couple of photos that speak for themselves. That's your kids teaching kids. So one of the elders in the school working with the younger ones, or your ex-ambassador or your leading ambassador. Again, the older students working with the younger ones. Oh, I don't want to offend anyone. Anyone use these before? Do they work? Oh, that? You ever used a compost bay like that? Got a sore back? Yeah. Do you know a keto? I don't know a keto, you know one movement. So imagine this is a heap here. I'd invite, would you like to come and join me? Can we, okay. This is where the, this is where the heap's going. Okay, so, oh no, sorry, we're, we're both standing up. We've got our forks. Over there. No, we're not. Oh, That's later. Um, if you can get your fork, imagine this is a heap. This yep. is our heap. You're standing on one side. No, you're standing on this side. Yep. Okay, and we're going to throw the heap mm -hmm. in one direction. Let's go. Throw it in one direction. Then we stop for a second. So what we do is we have a, we have a fence that's 333 wide and 50... 500 deep, or three, three, three centimetres long, 50 centimetres deep. So there's a star picket at zero, one, 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 two, 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 three, 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 about half a metre back, so that's a curve. So you make your heap here, and then, and then what we do is we turn it into another 
half cyclone fence wall there. Four star pickets. We don't get a saw back. And it's cross-calling, right? So if you're a lefty, you do the right, and the righty do the left. Yeah. Too easy. Move in one direction. Like a windrow. Um, we got much cleverer now, though. <laughs> we don't turn anymore. <laughs> we love the BD. <laughs> Slow ferment. But if you've, in high schools, it's really important with very active people. Get them to turn that compost. All right. Um, the plants, the hands-on plants ID. And this is wonderful because there's a pathway to Cal's farm. When you're working, we, we found it was effective. When you're working with a core driller that's making a squealing sound that you can't hear yourself, that doing um, hands-on plant ID with signs helps you get around that. Because what they used to do is that when the core driller would start at 9.30, because they used to let the school have the morning meeting, and then it'd start at 9.30 and then stop at 2, because infants went home at 2. So everything we did was mainly with sign language. I know this sounds ridiculous, but we had to do it or we were really close together, getting all close and... They were drilling down into the fill to try and, and then placing different liquids down into it to try and reduce the temperature, not put it out, reduce the temperature, because at 100 mils, it was 100 degrees. It was burning. Yeah, maybe even hot. Yeah, maybe it hotter. At that point, they weren't testing. They were just drilling. Yeah, these speak for themselves. Oh, this is our first outdoor kitchen. How do you like that for safety? <laughs> oh, and then the chalkboard, that's the southerly windbreak. So it didn't blow the flame out. So we had all these wonderful, like, young kids from the Balkans that became into to got into tofu and stir-fry. Anyone know anyone from the Balkans? There's not much tofu in the diet. <laughs> okay, yeah. We love doing this stuff. And I guess this is the opportunity. Once the gardens get going, then this is the X Factor stuff. Your discovery learning, inviting members of the community to come in, giving people those experiences, leading the, old, the, the other folks in the, in the community. We've got people from the Illawarra Multicultural Retirement Village that would come in annually. And then, uh, then they did something special. They took our best produce in New South Wales against all the ag schools. Uh, that was a surprise. Yeah, okay. Right, so with Cringilla Public School, what were, what were our learnings from it? We needed a garden ambassadors program. In every other school we'd worked in at that point, up until 2008, there were another, we, we pretty much worked in a primary school every single year, and it's increasing now. But um, from 2003 to 2008, we had about six schools. The schools that did not continue the ambassador's program fell over. The responsibility to ask a teacher to become an organic gardener is a really big ask. That's if you want to grow four-season veggie gardens. Even to maintain trees, the, the pressure that teachers have from the department, responsibility, we need to make it as easy as possible for this to happen. And you can't also rely on parents because parents got responsibilities and they change and so we need to get trained permies in there. That's the key. Um, and not run it like, um, you know, that where the school doesn't value it. So you know straight away when, once you enter a school, when you ask the school to invest three years, three year commitment, um, whether they're going to be serious or not. Now something very special happened in, I mentioned in 2000 and actually it was 2008 we encountered a very ambitious assistant principal. 
that assistant principal was with us at Kemblawara, which is a school adjacent to the old Aboriginal mission. When the garden ambassadors were at um, Kemblawara, we had 97% to 100% attendance on that day, and every family had a garden at home. Even kids that were in refuges, had, one of them had a little pulley cart, and he had his little veg vegetables in it. That's a beautiful story. That assistant principal saw the potential of this, and he had a background in business studies. And what we did is we had to sit, sit down with Blue Scope Steel. Oh, at that time, Blue Scope, they changed, BHP changed coil and played over to Blue Scope Steel, all the steelworks. And then businesses that were providing services for the industry came on board as partners. And we developed a permaculture partners master, um, a business plan that we had like a, a 10 to 12 year plan. And that changed everything. It legitimized it. Um, and what ended up happening was that since 2003, um, this program's attracted uh, close to three quarters of a million dollars funding to schools in our area. Uh, none of it's from the public system, all from industry and other wonderful people, businesses. 2008 as well, there was a, a high school principal that Cal mentioned, Stephen Goodley, who got it. He saw what was happening at Cringilla with a cultural change. Where Cringilla is, it feeds to Warrawong Heights, one of five primary schools, and we happened to have five living classrooms, so the students were already had that theme into the high school, so it made sense that in 2009, um, we would then formalise the permaculture partners, have a chat with the young folk, some ex-ambassadors, and they said, yep, we want to design our permaculture demonstration site. And that's what we did. So we, took fi we worked with um, 15 um, young people who were in year eight, so from 12 to 13. Uh, we, we gleaned a wish list. Where do we start? We started with ethics and principles, of course. A wish list, they already knew what they wanted. What was beautiful though, that those kids went on tours of the primary school gardens and got ideas for the elements that they might want. Um, and then we went through our design process. And those of you that design understand all this, looking at the limitations of the site or the opportunities with wild energies, microclimates. That was Dan, yeah. That is Dan, yep. I feature him further up. Um, and Here's this young person presenting their work. Now these are 12 and 13 year olds. Um, we obviously looked at how the space is currently being used. Um, I didn't tell you that the garden's actually on the old touch footy oval. Have a guess who, we got, got offside immediately. Yeah, they're a very strong force in public education, high schools, that is, PE teachers. Um, yeah, and then they, Mind you, the when you when you see the final design, there's no sport really on it. So they arranged the elements. We were using cutout bits of paper at this stage, so they could verify it on site, make changes, and then present their work. So we had five design teams presenting their work to the executive, head teachers, members of the community, people from council, people from industry, um, anyone who's had to defend your work. It's strong, isn't it? It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Then what we did is we took the best of their work and um, the wisdom that we'd had from our work together and we generated a plan. And after the B uh, in 2011, we started working um, on, on building it. Um, from 2011 to current, we're still rolling out that original 
plan that the students developed. Um, into no detail, it went from, as Dan was mentioning, more like a spatial arrangement with detail and to see what would happen if the decisions that the students had made or what we made back in 2009, were they still going to be relevant now in 2018? And then the way we went, because it was flat, we went down on the site. Um, you can see all that, that, all the rock that's there. Yeah, six months young. That's just, that's recent. So we've been applying self-regulation and accepting feedback the whole time with this site. So what we're gonna have a look at now, I've, I've got some slides of, like how does it work in a high school? This is definitely not the best model. This is just a pilot. Oh. 15 to go, thanks Jackie. Um, Warrawong High is a pilot. It's by no means a model. Um, however, a couple of beautiful learnings have come out of it. Um, when you enter a high school, it's, I could imagine it's very similar to a university. Each faculty are like silos. So there's very, very little cross-pollination. It's starting to change now that we're seeing. Um, but initially when we went in, I, I, I um, sort of comically um, mentioned that PE might have been just a little bit concerned about losing a quarter of their space. But they did get a big covered doubles indoor soccer court that was coming. They just didn't know. Now, principal, wonderful man, just wasn't a very good communicator. So unfortunately, the permies, we wore it. And so we had to work and tiptoe around. So we've had to wait until a number of people have retired. And that was as a strategic movement to, to go forward. Um, it's only been recently that PE have realised there's a relationship between diet and uh, peak physical performance. Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah, I know. That's really unfair, isn't it? No, what I just said. No, it's not? Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so when, the, when we started the program, they went, oh, let's follow Crinny's model, work with the kids that don't want to go to school. So then they just gave, oh, like I started working, both Dan and I were working. Dan chose even the, more of an edge than I was. So he started working with kids with disabilities immediately with emotional disturbances as well. So. Great, Dan, you know, you've just taken one for the team. And then they gave me everyone who's feeding into Cal's program. So all the young people coming from disadvantaged backgrounds, people coming um, as refugees that are suffering, f uh, like I'm not an expert, but I'd only imagine post-traumatic stress disorder, um, they would put us all in together. Now, a number of the students that are in public housing are not very tolerant of people that first come here to Australia. So it's an interesting mix on how everything plays out. But what they did do is we got stuck into it and um, we started establishing and maintaining the systems, just like Cal's doing with the seasonal produce. Um, but I didn't mention that um, technical and applied sciences, which is your home ec, wouldn't touch the food. Ah, lettuce has come out of a plastic bag. Didn't you know that? You think I'm joking. Yeah. They wouldn't touch it. Or how about eating seasonally? Yeah. Oh, no, Robin, it, it's all happening right now. They've changed the syllabus. It's a national syllabus. And so technical and applied sciences and home, home ec, the students need to grow their own food and then design recipes and eat it now. And that's a wonderful thing because it's kind of like we were doing the groundwork for that, for that success sort of thing. Um, yeah, building soil. 
that was a school holiday program. How many kids want to camp at a high school? <laughs> Go figure. And cook your own food, for goodness me. I, I couldn't be, in, I wasn't interested in school. Um, and this is the key. Um, Cal spoke about the young man who's a scaffolder. Um, those two young men um, are preparing their breakfast. So part of our program is not just, you know, obviously it's we're doing, we mentioned it before about, you know, care of the environment, but it's how do we bring back in that culture of sharing food, sitting down together. Um, I know it's not very safe because any of us could have hepatitis, but um, we're all sharing out of one plate, which the symbolism of that speaks for itself. Yeah. Building capacity, having a positive discussion about fire. Every time it blows northwest in the Illawarra, someone's lit a fire. So why not turn into something that's positive? And that is a machete. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we're using ties to remediate. This is the land that's adjacent Cal's. So we're working with the Berkeley brush as well. Um, or restoring the Berkeley brush or having a tent. We're actually synthesizing different plant communities. So we've got uses and beautiful riparian zone and we're using tires to connect the space. And so just responding to um, uh, informal pathways by students, so to speak. They don't want to walk around the contour, they want to run up and down it. So, And then you can see what, what's happening there. To, um, the capacity the students built to now take visitors, working with the beautiful indigenous kids of the community um, that we've been working with for 20 years. Okay, so what ended up happening after we did f like four years of that, then the, the other subject area said, right, let's start working together. So it's a no-brainer with science, and, but we tried to keep it permy, so keep it social. So if you're doing a, like a, a science um, project, what do you reckon we should be doing, you should be doing at the end of it to really cement the learning? Test it, what else? Anybody? Teach it. So what we did is got the year eights teaching the kid, primary kids. So we're doing that, we did it with biodiversity and now it's happening with appropriate technology. So it's really, it changes the way that they're, those practices. Um, so it's a standalone project but we're meeting all the curriculum outcomes. And there's a wonderful Dan Dayton working on the edge. And um, the other beautiful thing about Warrawong High is we have a support unit and we also have an intensive English center. So we work with students coming from other, um, who are economic migrants or uh, parents working at the university and, and refugee people. And they come for 12 months, get the intensive English and the garden's a great leveler and all permaculture is a great leveller. And as mentioned before, we don't really mention permaculture too much. We just get in and do it. You know, the ethics determine how we treat each other. It's great. And that yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a compost, yeah. That's a compost, Roman, yeah. So the pathways and possibilities. This is what's really exciting. The students that were in the primary school went to the high school and the engagement have a path opportunity for a pathway with Green Connect. That's really important, so working after school. And that's, that's really the beginnings of everything. And once that was embraced and Green Connect was so generous and creative and um, wanting to work together, and someone asked a question, could you transport the model? I'm not sure if we could, because we're, th what's happening here is just a community response. The stars aligned. There was a lot of things happening, 
and I've probably left, it, left them out, but the big things were we had industry that wanted to work and do something that's positive. Industry embracing permaculture. We, we would go to the meetings, we, we would meet the board members, they loved what we were doing. The big thing they were saying, don't wear a tie. Last thing you want, yeah, we want, we just love you how you are. Just keep doing what you're doing. And that hasn't stopped, that partnership's still in full swing. In fact, it's only strengthening because the ports of, well, Port Kembla ports now, um, been leased out for 99 years. So there's a large amount of money that's, that's now available to us, which is great, which I'll share in a moment. Um, so it's wonderful to have a boss like Cal. Students are earning more money than they'll be working at McDonald's. And as Cal mentioned, it's really not about we want these people coming out as organic growers. We want them to think laterally. Yeah. Very site specific. Yeah, and it's constantly being tweaked. Um, the other thing that, that's come out of it too is because of how we, do, we deliver curriculum because it's so hands-on and practical, we've been able to develop a, a PDC. So with the support of John Champagne, um, we, we have our own PDC that's it's hands-on. We try and make it as transferable as possible and um, we invite, you know, everyone's welcome. So there's families there and, and there's always young folks. And that brings us to Five Island Secondary College. So this is the recent design. Um, You'll notice there's very little detail. It's a lot of bubbles and things like that. Um, five islands, we got off on the right foot. What's, what I reckon the steps of success are? Have a conversation with the local indigenous people first and ask permission to be there. We did that at the beginning. Uncle G came out from Albion Park. He smoked the place. <laughs> I swear things started growing that next day. Everything just changed. It was amazing. What's the landscape of Five Island Secondary College? It's on Hill 60, which is part of the Berkeley Hills chain. It's on fly ash from the blast furnace. That was our gift from industry previously in the 70s. We imported 200 tonnes of organic matter in. Todd Cleary, who's a friend, friend of ours, who's relocated to the Bega Valley, is an earth mover and a compost maker. And we took the compost that was trialled from Kiama at Dunmore. And there's nothing more satisfying than seeing two days of B-doubles coming in and dumping that stuff in front of you and having a good mate with a, like a big pitching fork and shaping it up. What I want to share with you, Five Island Secondary College, this year has a Stage 6 NESA, like content-endorsed NESA-approved subject called permaculture. It's happened. Yeah. We, all the success is not me. We're just the fire starters, or we just push the stone down the hill. We had a very, very supportive principal. Um, we've got a staff there that really embrace it. Um, the time was ripe. It's a, sec it's a senior college, so they can do it. So they've developed their own course. They just adopted the, the design course. They're holding it over 12 months. What are we doing? We're on the road to find out. We start next month. There. So we've just had a precursor. The great test is, hey, there's 19 of them. 19 young people making positive change that don't necessarily want to grow food, but they want to be part of the change. Yeah, Lockie, it's going to be definitely, sorry. Yeah, it will be, yep. They're holding it until we get it, we get it right. See, you know what I mean? We, we, we tease it, and then, they'll, then we'll definitely be applying self-regulation and accepting feedback. Yeah, but that's, that's what we want. This is the pilot, yeah? This is the cool thing with what's going on. We've got a few pilots from it. So the other great thing is that if you're in Wollongong and you're there on a Wednesday, 
you can come in and join the class at any time. <laughs> Which you're just going to do your thing. So the school's made community engagement one of the outcomes of permaculture which is just really progressive. And so what are graduates from this college, they can do? This pair, they just started a design business in the northern suburbs of Wollongong. They're 18 and 19. Rihanna on the left, George on the right. Uh, George approaches everything with that sense of humour. And um, they're being part of the change in our local community. And that's really, really inspiring. So. Thank you. Thank you. Any questions? Two minutes questions. It will be NESA approved, which is like Board of Studies. Like it's the old Department of Education and Training, DT. New South Wales based course, but yeah. No, and, that, and we're, we're very open to, to, to making this trans, like, you know, let's make it so it, any, any state can have it. Um, why haven't we done it? Good question. Yeah, it's, it's a very good question. The principal wanted the, the for some reason, she wanted a NESA, NESA course. It kind of gets a little bit political. Look, Ross, we wanted to do APT at, at Warrawong High School in 2009, and a local provider dropped the ball. Yeah, but, but, but that was the story. So the current principal got gun-shy because they were let down by the local TAFE. So they, somebody said they'd do something. It should have been auspice. Uh, like it's a different conversation, Ross. Yeah, we will, but yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, the cleaver, the machete, all that sort of stuff. I don't know. I don't, I've never met a kid who wants to hurt himself. Yeah. Write a policy. We've got black snakes. So what do we do? The boss wrote a song. Munda, black snake dreaming, you know, all of a sudden, because we had like families coming with like, you know, burning torches, like kill the snake, kill the snake, kill the snake. No, we just, we embraced it. The local Aboriginal elders gave it as a totem. That's sort of how that went around. Look, I take risks. At Warrawong High, my conversation with the boss is, Aaron, write the OHS for it, and you can do it. And then just go through the OHS process if someone hurts themselves. Like, have you done appropriate induction and, and those types of things? I mean, how, how else can I get young women, you know, using power tools? Because they're, just, they're locked out in that, that, the classes, in the, you know, the woodwork and construction classes. They won't give them a go. Let's give them a go on with the art, you know? Makes them come alive. Getting out of the, these walls. Getting outside. You know, like, it's like us wanting to spill out after a session, right? Yeah, same thing. It, it's that and permission. Like, the idea is that we're co-creation. We're co-creating. It's like everything Robin did this morning with social permaculture, where we empower people to do it, you know? Like, the way that I approach it anyway, that everyone's of value, and it's kind of a personal thing, but what makes them come alive? How about a different approach? Like, I'm, a te I'm working in a teaching role, but I'm on a first-name basis. Just smash hierarchy. Yeah. Well, Dean Turner at The Crossing and the beautiful people of the Bega Valley and this is how amazing it is. Um, again, talking about schools. Warrawong High, unfortunately, would not put any money into a camp for our disadvantaged kids. They're not disadvantaged, in fact, they're just from backgrounds where the, you know, the, 
you know, the haves don't have it, but they've got a really good lifestyle. People of Bega Valley sponsored our, the engagement boys and girls to come down and have an experience at the crossing with Dean. Some of those kids had not been south of, and I'm not joking, they had not been south of Lake Illawarra. That's like 7K south. They'd never been south of it, never been camping, never stayed in a railway carriage. So, <laughs> but it was beautiful and I mean, please in the brace have a chat to Dan about them. I mean, I could wax lyrical on how awesome those kids are. Like, they're really rough. Like, these are really rough kids from really tough backgrounds. Gorgeous. You know, uh, that's how I describe them publicly and just amazing. But what, well, yeah, yeah sorry. Thank you, Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.